Well, good morning, everyone. Okay, a little bit more. Good morning. There we go. <laughs> We can, we can carry on the responsiveness from last week when Nicole was here. So feel free to throw out an amen or uh-huh or a head nod to know that, help me know that you're out there. So uh, I was thinking about this as that was the question that, you know, we, we put up there uh, with this whole, what is the number one prayer? Does anyone remember the movie Bruce Almighty? Anybody? Okay, I'm not the only one that that was, that, that was absolutely hilarious. Or is that just because I'm a pastor? But I love it when he um, he plays God for a day and he gets to organize all his prayers in Yahweh. Yahweh. Yeah. And he, and he just says, yes. And then the consequences follow. That's personally what comes to mind. That's the image that comes to mind when that, that question was asked. Well, if I haven't met you yet, um, my name is Christian Ann. And I'm uh, an associate pastor here with Mill City Church, and it's a privilege to uh, be with you here this morning. Thank you for coming this morning for worship and to be together. Um, just in all honesty, I, I am so excited to talk with you this morning, and we're talking about prayer and what that means for this community. And um, as I've been praying about this, I've been just asking God, what, what is it that you have for this community when we think about prayer? And uh, Stephanie, Pastor Stephanie always jokes with me that, um, that I play this role in our church and on our staff that if you need some comfort, you need a hug, that I'm the one that you would come to. And I'll give you a hug, and I'll say it's going to be okay, but then I might turn you around and give you a little kick in the butt, right? And who, maybe some of you have experienced that with me. I'm looking at Molly. She's like, yep, yep, that's me. Well, this morning, I really think, because I think God wants us to get back out there. We need those hugs sometimes, but we also need that encouragement to say, you can do it. And I think this morning, as I've been praying about what God wants to share with us through Romans 12, he wants to encourage us. And he wants to really help us to know that he hears our prayers, that he wants to hear from us. And he wants to encourage us to pray to him. But also, he doesn't want us to settle. He doesn't want us to settle for a half-hearted prayer life. And so this morning, I think the impression that God is putting on my heart, and as I've been preparing for this this week, is that we are settling, quite honestly, we are settling for a mediocre relationship with God and with others when we are cynical about prayer. That we are settling for a mediocre relationship with God and with others when we're cynical about what prayer is in our lives. And so as I've been praying for us this week, I've been asking God to give us a new vision for what prayer looks like in this community. I've been praying for Mill City Church, you, us, that we would be able to hear and, and, and talk with God and have a new vision of what that looks like practically and in a big picture way. And so before we get into the scripture, let's, let's go to God in prayer and ask him to be with us and that we can be aware of him. God, we quiet our hearts. We take this moment to just be here with you and with one another. God, I pray that, Lord, that your presence would be tangible. God, that the truth that you are not a distant God would be so incredibly real to us this morning. God, we thank you that you're a God who does hear us and does respond and is with us even now. God, I pray that you would be encouraging us 
and you'll be showing us what needs to change. Show us the ways that we can come to you, that we can intercede and we can bring our brother and sister before you, that we can pray for one another. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be continuing in Romans 12, where we've been hanging out in this Renewing relationship series. And so if you have your Bible, you can turn there, you can pull that out, and we'll also have it up on the screen. Um, I'm going to be reading from verses 1 through 12, just to kind of help you out as you follow along. So I'll, I'll read that now. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think more of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each one of us have a body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each one of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is to give, then give generously. If it is to lead, do so diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual further, fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. So I think that there's three different points that I, I feel like God is, is encouraging this community with this morning. And the first one comes from verse 1. And that in view of God's mercy, just starting with that verse, in view of God's mercy, offer yourselves to God. And what I think we can draw from that in regards to prayer is that God, or prayer matters to God because you matter to God. Prayer matters to God because you matter to God. And this, this whole passage is inherently relational, isn't it? And when we think about prayer, it is an inherently relational act. We're doing something in our relationship with God. I was thinking about it as sort of our relational currency, you could say, with God. And I really believe that, that God wants to encourage us this morning because he wants to hear from us. He wants us to offer ourselves and our requests and the things on our hearts and the things that are bothering us and the things that are exciting to us. He wants to have that relationship with us. But my question is, is do we view God in that way? This is a statement about God in view of God's mercy, that God is a merciful God. That God is this merciful father who is just waiting for his kids to come to him and to pray to him and to be in relationship with him. But do we view God in that way? Or do we view God sort of as a tyrant? 
sitting in a control room, that he doesn't really need his, our prayers, that we've got it, he's got it all taken care of. He's got all the controls, and he's just making this world exactly the way he wants it. I don't think so. God doesn't want us to be his puppets. He wants us to participate with him, to be in relationship with him, so that when we're praying, the view of God that we have is this merciful Father waiting to talk with us. This amazing God just leaning in, ready for us to offer ourselves to him. And so I just want to stop and say, we can't really go any further if we don't view God as a merciful God who wants to hear from us. And so the moment that we start to view God as, as this sort of control tyrant, that is not a thought of who God is. That's a thought of the enemy. And we can say that is not of God. That's not the picture of God that we can come to in prayer. And so prayer really is this means of relationship with God. Um, as, as I was thinking about this, what came to mind was this little book, this was one of the first books I read in seminary. And I loved it because it was this thin, right? I was like, okay, I don't care that you're calling me a young theologian. I was young, though, so it was kind of true. But I, I was so intrigued of why the professor assigned this book. And this book has helped me time and time again. Because here was the big takeaway that I had from this book. He says, be careful. And this is written in like, the 1920s, but still relevant to today. He says, be careful, young theologians, because when you are, are studying God, God can so easily be this subject, and God becomes something that we talk about, that becomes an object that we can criticize and that we can, you know, wonder about, but also we, we lose, we, we, gain this distance, I would say, because God isn't a God that we're talking to. He said, there's a difference between a third-person relationship with God and a second-person relationship with God. When we're talking to someone, we're looking them in the eye. And that's the type of relationship that God wants to have with us, is talking to us. We can talk about God, but do we bring the things, the questions, the wonderings that we have to God and say, God, I'm struggling with this about you that I'm learning and I'm wondering about. I, I'm struggling with what I see in the world like we're talking to someone, not just about someone. And I think what Helmut Tielecki had to say is really practical to today, to us. How often do we let that distance get in the way when we're talking about God rather than to God? Do we bring those concerns to God? And so in view of God's mercy, this is a statement about who God is, that God is a merciful God and wants to hear from us. So with this view of God, I think this brings us to our, our second point. In, in the second verse here where it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so... What I want to say about prayer here is that prayer makes a difference even if we can't see it. Prayer makes a difference even if we can't see it. And so let me just state the obvious here. It's annoying that prayer doesn't work like this, right? It's not logical. 
Who's annoyed by that? I mean, let's just be honest, right? Let's just be honest. I am frustrated sometimes that, that when I pray for something, it doesn't immediately happen. And our American sort of Western way of thinking likes the cause and effect, right? So I was a communication major in college, and I think that this gives a really good picture of what a linear model of communication can be. Can you put that up on the screen, Brian? Okay, what if prayer worked like this? Who said what, in what channel, to whom, God, and comes out with a result? That would be sweet, right? That would be just awesome. I wish it worked like that. But is this a relational model? Yeah, hardly. Not really, right? We, that would be nice. But everyone knew that that must have been the first draft of the communication model because this is the second draft, I think. This is called the interactive model. And uh, let's just be real. This is what communication looks like, right? I mean, have you ever tried to say something and someone's looking at you like, are you speaking a different language, right? There's so much going on. There's so much going on. There's, in our prayer life, the spiritual realm. There's the physical realm. There's God. There's us. There's Satan. There's the enemy at play. And it's a little more chaotic. This is a far more accurate picture of what prayer looks like. And I just sort of imagine a parent who, you know, gets up early, is trying to get a good start in the day, wake up before the kiddos do, and he's just saying, okay, I just want a quiet moment to be able to pray. I'm actually going to pray for my kids. And all of a sudden, Dad! That's the noise, right? That's the noise I'm talking about, all those distractions. And so, I, but I, I want to point out something here. Because I think this is more accurate, but I don't want us to give up. But the piece that I want us to glean from this is that I think this really demonstrates the spiritual battle that goes on in prayer. Is that not only are we trying to communicate with God, but Satan, the enemy, is actively trying to stop that communication with God. There is an enemy, and when we forget that, who do we blame? God, immediately, right? that there is an enemy actively working against what God's trying to do, the good in this world, and what the good that God's trying to bring about in our life. And he'll do everything he can to stop that. And whether that be the noise or whether that just be the spiritual battle that we cannot see, there is an enemy at play too with all this. And so, but we cannot forget something here, is that God has given us authority, and we can't let Satan convince us otherwise. How many times have we thought to ourselves, I don't think that prayer really, really matters. That is not a thought of God. That's a lie. Because your prayers do matter to God, and God has given you authority to pray to him and given you influence in his relationship with you. And so that's why I think this is the reason that Paul says this, do not be conformed by the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't think that it's this linear way. Recognize that it's a bigger picture and it's a battle. And don't be fooled by Satan trying to tell you that your prayer doesn't matter. And so God has given us this influence and authority in the spiritual realm. And I want to talk a little bit more about that in regards to who Paul was talking to in the Roman church. So when Paul was writing this letter to the Romans, he very clearly starts to outline the ways that that the Romans, or he, he knows that the Roman church does not play by the rules. Logically, in the Roman Empire, people would say that this church did not have any influence because the people who consisted the church in Rome 
were, were of two major groups. They were either converted Jews, they were Jewish people with that ethnic background, so they were ethnic minorities in Rome, and they were foreigners. Many of them were foreigners because the foreigners had a place in the church. And so often, because to, be, to have the most rights in Rome, you had to be a citizen, the foreigners and the ethnic minorities had the least amount of rights. So we were talking about slaves and ethnic minorities is who consisted of the Roman church. Yet, Paul had been meeting, and if you look at the end of this letter, Paul had been meeting tons of Christians who had come from Rome, tons of Christian con converts who had this church that supposedly had zero influence were bringing tons of people to Christ. And these people were doing so much in all over the Mediterranean. And so this is the church. This is the church that God puts in the epicenter of the Roman world of the Mediterranean to have influence. That's who God chooses. Slaves and ethnic minorities primarily. And he says, you have influence because you are in Christ. So let's not doubt, church, we're, we're not in Rome. We're in Minneapolis. But let's not doubt the authority that we have in Christ, right? Because God doesn't base it upon our skill or our circumstance. We have that authority because we are in Christ, not because of anything we've done. As Pastor Nicole uh, Bullock said last week, he does not uh, call the qualified. He qualifies the called. I think we need to hang on to that when we think about our prayer life and whether we have authority in the spiritual realm or not. He qualifies the called. We are called to be his kids, to be found in Christ. And this is what Jesus says about this. He says in John chapter 14, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have seen, I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do, hear this, I will do whatever you ask for in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. That's the type of authority and influence that we have. That's the type of prayers that God wants us to pray. And so I believe that God just wants our participation I think that God is waiting to unlock. There are things yet to be unlocked because God has chosen to share his, his influence in this world with his people because he set up this world as a relational one. He's waiting to unlock things in the spiritual realms through our prayers. We have that influence. God has decided to share that influence in his ultimate power. He says, I want to share that with people who are called by my name. And so in 2 Corinthians, it says that we are co-workers with God. That God wants to be alongside us and co-working to bring about things in his kingdom. That's a participation invitation. I didn't mean to rhyme. But participation invitation, that sounds good, right? I mean, write that down. That, that has a ring to it. We'll use it later. But God is this father and king. God is this father and king, and we are his sons and daughters. Not only does he listen to us, but he shares that influence with us. And so because of this influence, this brings me to the last point that I think we can glean from Romans 12. I believe that prayer, because of this influence that God has given us, prayer is one of the most loving acts that we can do for our brother and sister. Prayer is one of the most loving acts that we can do 
for our brother and sister, for one another. So we read here in verse 10, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. So when I read here, be patient in affliction, I think this very clearly says not if affliction comes, but when affliction comes, when the hard times come. And the Roman church was experiencing this persecution. The only reason they were crucified is because they didn't have that right as citizens in the Roman kingdom. So they were totally the less than, and they were just trying to squash this little sect that had had risen up called the Roman church at that time. And so being faithful in prayer, when Paul's writing this, he knows that not only do we need to be faithful in prayer to God, but for one another, to offer that strength and, and prayer for one another as a loving act for our brother and sister. And I would say, even when we can't res- see the results, that's maybe even more important when we need to be faithful in prayer. And oftentimes I think, I know that I'm guilty of this, that I don't make time for prayer. Every, not every day, let's just be real, uh, most days when I'm reading a devotional that I have, I'm, I get to this point, and there's scripture, and there's some readings in it, and it, it always says, kind of towards the ends, prayers for others. I don't always make time for that. But I know that I need to. I know that I want to. And so how do we, how do we choose so that prayer isn't this last resort option in our lives? That You know, we've tried out all the other options before, okay, maybe we should pray about that. And I think of this time um, where a couple came to me. And at our church, I, I work with couples who are needing maybe some, some counseling resources or are struggling in their marriage. And um, specifically the guy, uh, I was talking to him. And we were talking through the struggles that they were experiencing. They were even separated at that time. And we were both in tears because, you know, as much as I could say and offer advice, I didn't, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. It seemed like there was a dead end at every road. And I felt embarrassed that I didn't know what to say, honestly. It's a humbling thing to say, I don't know. But in that moment, I did what I, the only, what I thought was the last thing I could do. And, and honestly, this person is not, would, I don't know if they'd call themselves a Christian. But I said, can I pray for you? He said, yes. And it was like this moment where we both sort of laid down our pride and said, we don't know what to do, God. Help. Help. And sometimes prayer is as simple as that. But what if that was our first reaction was to pray? What if that was an impulse, became an impulse for this church? And honestly, I'm so glad that this couple is working it out, that they aren't separated right now. That's, that's God's movement, and we need to ask for those things. We need to ask for those things and believe that they can happen because God is sharing his influence with us. And so I think something truly profound happens when we say, we lay down our pride and say, I don't know, but I'm going to trust that God can take care of you better than I can in this moment. 
and to do that through prayer. Another story that comes to mind is um, a, a group of us from the staff go to a place called Bethany Care Center and help out with uh, the chapel there once a week. And it was my turn this last Sunday, and so I, I did sort of the first draft of this sermon with them. And it's, it's always such a joy. I mean, the crowd is like maybe 10 people. And so, and most of them, I mean, some of them doze off, and someone, I, we're singing together, and I'm saying something, and she's, I really just can't hear you at all. I'm like, okay, okay. So I go back, and, you know, I, I know I don't have a commanding voice. I just crank up the mic, even though there's 10 people. And so I do a version of this sermon with them, and the big crux of it is I was thinking about this group of people, and I thought, you know, I wonder if they, they feel like they have purpose here. A lot of them are older in age and, and kind of at the end of their life or maybe coming out of uh, the hospital in a really rough time of life. And so I really wanted them to know that they have a purpose in life to pray, that God hears them. And that is one of the most loving things that they can do for the world, for the neighborhood. And so I'm sharing that with them. And towards the end, one of my favorites, I have favorites, I'll be honest. One of my favorites come up to me, and her name's Katie. Well, I, I would say I went to her. She was in her wheelchair. And she says, come here. You're just wonderful. You're just wonderful. Honey, you're beautiful. Um, you really inspired me. She said, I was just thinking, I don't, I don't really think I, I, I have much of a purpose here. I was just kind of wasting time. But you've, you've given me some hope that God really hears my prayers. And she said that with tears in her eyes. We have a purpose to pray for one another. And it matters to God. And something changes when we pray. God wants to hear us. Let's not wait until we're, we're 85 for, to know that truth. That is one of our purposes. And the most loving thing, let's not let it be a last resort option to pray for one another. And so what does being faithful in prayer look like for Mill City Church? What does that look like in 2016? I've been thinking about just kind of giving some practical ideas because, you know, we all need a, a, sometimes a new idea of ways to invigorate our spiritual prayer life. I know I, I've been gleaning things from people in this community, and so let me share some of those common practices that I just want to encourage you to just, whether it be one of these or whether it be one that you sort of formulate on your own, to do it diligently this week. Or maybe even go through the end of February to say, I'm going to try this new habit. I'm going to try this practice of prayer for a month, for a month. And so when I think about the ways that we are already doing this, that I know of different groups in our church that are already praying diligently on each other's behalf, is those moments when someone's going through adversity, someone's going through a hard time, and they're sharing that with you. And what, just in that moment, say, can I pray for you right now? Just ask. You don't know, have to know what to say. Just say in the name of Jesus, amen, at the end. You're good. Seriously, just, just, just lay yourself out there and say, yeah, I want to pray for you. It matters that we do that for each other. Things are waiting to be sort of unleashed 
in God's heart, in the world. We need to pray for protection. So what happens when we actually do that for our brother and sister? Just do it in that moment. Or I know that discipleship groups and missional communities and even just good friends here within this church, they have a texting group text. How can I pray for you this week? Most of us have the capability to do that on our phones. That's an amazing technological thing. How can I pray for you? Instead of saying, I will pray for you, just write out the prayer. Write it out in that text message so that they can hang on to that and look back on that and to know that someone is praying on their behalf. Or when was the last time that you asked someone to pray for you? Whether that be in a Sunday service when we have people on the sides of the auditorium that be a friend, God's really stirring something in my heart just to ask for support. It can be a humbling thing, but what if we just assume that people wanted to pray for us, that wanted to do that on our behalf? At the table over a meal, not just for the food and being grateful for that, but to pray for a name that comes to mind. Ask the person that maybe you're having a meal with, what, how can I pray for you? How can I pray for someone in your life? Or this is something that I do that I, I've, I've really made a practice out of it. You know, a lot of us, we sing worship songs. And it's so easy that if you're not feeling it in the moment, if that song doesn't really seem to speak to your heart or connect you with God, it is easy to tune out, right? And you just sing along and it kind of becomes this Christian karaoke almost. But what if we seize that moment? What if we seize that moment and decided to pray that song for somebody else? to intercede on their behalf, and to use those words as a guiding sort of prayer for a person and say, God, bring someone to mind for me right now. When we're here, let's make the most of this time because there's something different when we gather together. Pray for the person next to you even. Use that time of worship to go and bring someone before God in prayer. I really think that these rhythms of prayer, there's probably many other examples of ways that people are already doing this in our congregation, but rhythms of prayer are this, I have this vision of it being this long-term investment in what God is doing in his kingdom here. That it's the way that we can love one another best. That we can fight the enemy on each other's behalf. That we can proclaim what God is doing in each other's lives and remind each other of truths through prayer. And so when you're praying for someone, if, if they don't know it, even just text them and say, I've been praying for you this week. We need those types of encouragement. But this is a long-term investment that we have to recognize it's not going to look like that linear, that linear model. It's going to look a little bit more chaotic. And to trust that God is working all things towards the good of those who he loves. And so obviously I think it's important to practice this this morning. So I'm going to invite the band to come back up. And we're going to enter into a time of prayer, praying for one another. And this is, this is what I hope that we can do. I, I took some time to pray for our community this, this week. And let's just, for me, I'll just confess, I have a terrible attention span. Okay? So I, I need something to sort of focus me in on prayer to keep my attention. I, I mean, I have a dog that constantly wants my attention. So he's nudging me or whatever. So this is something that I do. And I'm going to put up a, a piece of, a page of my journal. And what I do is I put whoever I'm praying for in the middle. And I just say, God, what, what do you want me to pray for? 
And I need, just physically need to look at that and to close my eyes and to think, okay, who is Mill City Church? What do you want me to pray for? And so these are the things that came to mind. And as we go into prayer time and praying for one another, think if one of these stand out for you. So one of the things I think, I just was praying against cynicism in our church, that God would soften our hearts towards him. What do we have to lose, right? What do we have to lose? So praying against cynicism. I was praying for new people to come to know Jesus, not just by bringing them here to the Sunday service, but through your lives, through our church, us, that God would bring new people to himself through our relationships. I was praying for our kids. Those are our kids out there. How can we love them? How can we lift them up before God? I was praying for protection over them. I was praying for financial freedom. I know that debt weighs upon many of us, or just month-to-month finances are stressful. God wants to give us freedom in that, wants to give us our next step in that, and I was praying for that for our community. I was praying for our identity in Christ, that we would know God and be known by God and, and feel empowered to ask for things from God, and that our trust would increase in God that our picture of who God is would look more and more like the face of Jesus Christ, who is just so loving towards us. And courage. You know, I know that it takes courage to pray for other people, to have an active prayer life, to stick to it. And lastly, I know of many people in our church that struggle with mental illness in some form. I struggle with depression and anxiety and just feel so captivated by that. Can we pray for them today? Can we pray for them and know that we are battling on their behalf? And so as we go into this time of prayer, I I want you to reflect just to take 30 seconds, see if one of those things stand out to you, or maybe just all morning someone has been coming to your mind that you want to pray for. And I'm going to give you two options. So I'll give you about 30 seconds to, to think about that, to reflect. And then we're going to have people along the sides of the auditorium to pray with you. And you can either go to one of them or you can turn to the person next to you and say, how can I pray for you? Let's pray for these things together. And the band's going to be singing a song that just simply says, there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus that when we call out on the name that that Jesus is working towards the good of those who love him, and we can trust that. Amen? And so let's just take a moment to say, God, what is it, who is it that you want me to pray for? To have a moment with him individually, and then you can either turn to your neighbor or go to someone alongside the auditorium. So I'll have the people who are going to be praying actually go to those places now.